Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Hey everyone, well thanks so much for tuning in. However you find yourself, however you find yourself tuning in right now, we're just so thankful. Whether you're streaming live or later on demand, this just wouldn't be the same without you. Like Pastor Jason said, my name is Peter, and I've actually recently joined staff here at Avant Life and I get the great privilege to be able to be the campus pastor here in the North Shore, as well as help support pastors Ben and Emma in a few central things, including life groups, which we'll get to today, and it'll be amazing news for all of us. And if we haven't been able to meet yet, I just want to give you a bit of a context of who it is that I am. Uh, before that we uh, arrived here at Avant Life, my wife Paige and I, uh, I served as a pastoral staff member at a church called Christian Life Assembly, or CLA, out in Langley. Uh, but we just feel so thankful for the way that God has brought us here to the North Shore in this beautiful church community and family. And we're thankful. And our hearts are filled with hope and anticipation and kingdom expectation for what it is that God wants to do. What a beautiful privilege it is. I was sitting there as I was worshiping and reflecting on how God is writing the story of Avant Life. What a privilege it is to, in, to be in this specific chapter and season of our church and what it is that God is doing. And I love pastors Ben and Emma so much. It's been a great privilege to get to know them better and to love and support the vision that they have for this church and the local expressions in Squamish and Surrey and the North Shore. We're just believing for great things. But like Jason said, we find ourselves in week three of a three-week series of messages called Arise and Advance. And really what this series is all about is an opportunity for us as a church to pause and to ask the question, what is it that God is inviting us to be a part of? To arise and advance. Because it's actually about going, God, what is it that you're already up to that you want us to be a part of, rather than saying, God, would you bless what it is that we want to do? And so as a church, we were having this conversation about what it looks like to arise and advance, to break camp to recognize that God is always up to something. And what I love about the challenges that Pastor Jay and Ben have given in the last couple of weeks is that by nature, Arise and Advance is both an internal and external process. It requires first an inner working as well as an outworking. But how beautiful is it that everything God desires for us to carry out there is something that he first desires for us to experience in here. That the hope that he's calling us to carry is first the hope that we experience through him. The power that we go with by his spirit is the power that we first experience in our hearts. That the message of freedom that we get to carry is first from a place of experiencing freedom from Christ. And as we go and as we're sent, what's beautiful is that there's an invitation both from a personal sense as well as a community sense. And so today, as we get ready to launch into Sunday and what it is that God has for us as we launch two brand new locations in Squamish and Surrey, we get the privilege to have a conversation today around community. And what I love about community is that if we're real honest in church, we kind of like the idea of community more than actually pursuing it with all that we have. We love it until we realize what it is that it'll actually cost us. Because community is easy as long as we get to pe pick the people that we want to do it with. 
If we get to choose the people that we get along with, share hobbies with, then community is everything that I want to sign up for. But when we realize the kind of community that God actually desires for us to experience, we recognize that community is much more sacrificial love than personal exploitation for gain. We realize there's much more diversity instead of uniformity around what makes us comfortable. And there's much more unity than the kind of division the world loves to create. And I love when Jesus teaches this idea that the world will know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another. Because there's two real simple things that we can pull from Jesus' teaching here. The first is that the community God is calling us to be a part of is much more than the community that the world tries to offer and create. There's a better way of life and community in Christ. And this is a way to reflect the heart of God, his longing for relationship with each of us. And the call to us as the bride of Christ is to represent the renewal of all things, to commit to countercultural kingdom values, one that embraces radical compassion, bottomless generosity, and hope-filled life. This is the kind of community God desires for us to build, to carry. It also teaches us that there's no version of following Jesus that's done alone. The idea of following Jesus and the practice of it We don't celebrate. There's no heroism in the lone ranger, the lone wolf. There's no version of us going after all that he has for us that's done in isolation. And this is great news because God's created us for a relationship first and foremost with him and then with one another. What you'll realize if you've been following Jesus for a while is that when you say yes to the invitation of following Jesus, you inherit a father in heaven, but also a family on earth. And family and community in the context of church is far greater than just Sunday services and midweek functions and events. Don't get me wrong. All those things are beautiful. They're necessary. They're great. But there's so much more to church community than what's experienced on a weekend. You see, a church service is about people occupying a building. But a church family is about people occupying space in one another's hearts. It's a calling to live a life of invitation and hospitality. It's about the people of God filled with his spirit, his children, being the family of God. And it's considered family because what defines or brings family together is shared blood. And as a family of God, what we share in is the blood of Christ, the blood that redeems us, reconciles us, that made a way for us. This blood is what unites us and brings us together. Inherently, as followers of Jesus, the family of God, there is something stronger in the bond that brings us together. The blood that made a way is the blood that brings us together. But as followers of Jesus, we can be so quick to forget not only how fun it is to do life together, but how necessary it is. You see, when it comes to community and doing life with one another, it's not just a suggestion in the Christian walk. It's actually an imperative, a command. Jesus teaches that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So if Jesus is who he says that he is, and therefore his teachings are true, we must take the command to love one another seriously. In a culture and society that's so willing to compromise and settle for good enough kinds of friendships and relationships, God invites us to experience intimacy and relationship with one another that's far more profound and far more impactful. But there remains a reality of the incredibly complex tension that we find ourselves in in the world today. 
Today we live in what we would call the most connected yet isolated generation. With a couple presses of a button, I can call a friend halfway around the world yet still feel so alone in what it is that I'm walking through. We live in a world where everything is fast-paced, Amazon Prime, microwave, drive-through, and this does nothing to the intimacy that we desire. The kind of culture where interaction is elevated while intimacy is starved. And to this culture, Jesus in the gospel invites us to far more meaningful community with one another that values intimacy in our relationships. So in this backdrop of loneliness that we see all around us, what do we do? What's the solution? Back in 2011, um, the Vancouver Foundation sought to kind of hone their focus as a community foundation. So they pulled 275 different charitable groups and 100 different community leaders to try to figure out what it is to them was the most pressing need in the city of Vancouver. And if you've been around Vancouver much, you know that there's a great issue of poverty, homelessness, drug abuse. But to much of their surprise, the top issue that came across the board from these 275 charitable organizations and over 100 community leaders was that the most pressing need in the city of Vancouver was isolation and disconnection. And what's crazy is that in the face of great physical need, there was a much deeper need in the condition of the human heart that was left unmet and unsatisfied. And although it's much harder in many ways to try to quantify and measure the deep emotional needs that we have, it does not mean that it's not there. Mother Teresa once said that the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It's being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. She said, we can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. She said, there's many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but many more dying for a little love. That the poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. All of us as a part of the wealthiest percentage of the world can recognize that there's a deeper loneliness, a cry in the human soul and condition that cannot be met with what we can achieve by or strive after. Loneliness doesn't seem to discriminate in race, gender, age, or socioeconomic status. It's fascinating that it's in some of the biggest, largest, most diverse cities that loneliness seems to be the greatest issue. There seems to be a great demand and deficit in meaningful, intimate community. And perhaps the worst kind of loneliness is not the kind where we're stuck in the middle of the forest by ourselves, but perhaps the worst kind of loneliness is being surrounded by people yet feeling so alone. Perhaps we should stop imagining the lonely person as the old sinister widow who has 13 cats and lives on top floor of a broken down apartment. Perhaps the picture of real accurate loneliness in the world we live in is of the young successful entrepreneur who has severed relationships with family, no friends outside of coworkers, and spends all the nights at bars trying to pick up girls longing for meaningful relationships. Perhaps that is the more accurate picture of the loneliness our world is experiencing today. But there's hope. And this is why we get to have 
this conversation. In God, there's a plan to redeem the things of the world. In God, there's a better way of life than what the world has tried to artificially create in an attempt to build the kingdom without the king. In God, we find first and foremost a relationship with him is a solution to the greatest need of the human soul. A God-sized hold filled by the love and presence of his spirit. This, in fact, is a true antidote to the loneliness of the world. You see, Christianity doesn't solve your issues but it solves your greatest need, the poverty of our souls. And in response to our Father in heaven, his family on earth is called to create communities that represent, lead to, and share the antidote to the poverty of the soul, loving relationship with our creator. There is a call and invitation as a family of God to build Christ-centered communities that share and represent the love of God that calls us to intimate belonging with him. But what does this all look like? If it's true that following Jesus, there's an imperative command to do life with one another. And if it's true that the community God is calling the family of God to pursue, to build, to cultivate, and to go after is far better and different to the community the world tries to create and mimic, what does it look like? Well, I'm convinced that there's three essential parts in Christ-centered communities that make the family of God, inherently different, better, more intimate than anything else that we can try to create outside of the blood of Christ that unites us. The first is this idea of upward reflection, meaning that Christian community is designed to actually reflect the very nature of the God we follow. Christianity teaches that at the heart of reality is actually a relationship. There's one Christian God, but this one God exists eternally as three persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God is Trinity. In this way, God experiences relationship in his very being. And we, consequently, who are made in the image of a relational God, our ability to reflect God's image is directly related to us being in relationship. We're all made in the image of a relational God. And a loving relationship is actually at the heart of our universe. And if a loving relationship is at the heart of our universe, shouldn't it be at the heart of our lives as well? And what if our community really reflected this nature of God? Could we see the kind of unity that the world so desperately needs to say? The life-changing kind. I've heard it said before that a divided world demands a united church. And this idea of community that we're called to go after, pursue, and build as a family of God is one that actually has an upward reflection, that actually in posture is a worship and recognition of the nature of the God that we serve. The second is this idea of inner renewal. You see, Christian community is meant to fuel our discipleship to Christ, our inside-out, heart-transformational discipleship. The idea of our community being Christ-centered is not only that it's the blood of Christ that brings us together, but it also would be Christ that's glorified and Christ that transforms us from the inside out into more of his likeness. You see, Christian community is more than just getting together, but it's also growing together. Growing in purpose, relationship with Jesus, in understanding of the word of God and his love. Growing and becoming more like him in our character. So what if our community was continuously committed to the renewal of our own hearts? We would see disciples being made, the life-changing kind. When we're committed to building Christ-centered community, we're committed to building bridges of love, of trust, and lasting friendship. 
And it's only in this context of love and trust that we invite each other into deep accountability that fuels and pushes us closer to our loving creator. This is an essential to the Christian faith. That as we get together, we grow together. That as we get together, we push each other closer to Jesus. That the mark of Christian community would be that we would actually become more like him. And what would begin to happen if we took this seriously enough that there was almost a gospel gossip that began to spread wherever we did life. Hey, do you know those people? Something seems different. Doesn't it seem like there's a hope that they carry? An answer to the question, the antidote to the loneliness of the human heart. The third is this idea of outward reach. That the heart of Christian community is a heart behind a rise and advance. That what is experienced in here would actually leak out there. Do you know that the early church throughout the Roman Empire were known for being havens for the outcast, the marginalized, and the unwanted? It was the church of Christ, the family of God, that totally changed societal posture towards the sick and the marginalized. Philanthropy is a Christian idea. Do you know that institutions like hospitals and schools were invented by the church? That while people were all too happy to flee from trouble, it was followers of Jesus that ran towards the sick, the broken, the poor, the marginalized, the widow, to say, no, 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 our God has something to say. See, as we commit to loving community with one another, there is an outpouring that's done from the inward work that God desires to do in us. As the bride of Christ, we're as, as effective as we are united with God's spirit and one another. What would it really look like for our community to begin to bring heaven to earth? I don't know about you, but I don't want to do this whole church thing, become a great professional Christian and lose sight of what it is that God's called us to do, to be a part of participating in the renewal of all things. I want to be a part of seeing God bring dead people to life. Bring hope to those who are stuck in despair. To bring light into darkness. To speak life into things that were dead. But you see, Christ-centered community that has all these three essentials, upward reflection, inner renewal, and outward reach, does not come without effort or striving. I don't know if you've noticed this, but things that are built well are always things that are built with intentionality, things that are built with discipline and great practice and consistency. You see, you cannot live a life of invitation and hospitality without living an honest and vulnerable life. Christian community requires work. In fact, some of our most important and best relationships cost us the most. Relationships are built, not just simply stumbled upon. Healthy, fruitful community isn't just something that we accidentally find ourselves in, but something that we cultivate, build, and are a part of. And what if our church created space for God's spirit? What if we were so committed to first going after a relationship with Jesus that changes us from the inside out and an intimate relationship with one another that represents what God desires for each person to experience, loving relationship with him? Then could our church truly be a beacon of hope and life in all the communities that he sent us into? But what does this practically look like? Right? What are some of those values, those pillars, those guiding 
practices and disciplines that help us create this God-given community that he's called us to be a part of? What are some of the guidelines that we've been given to follow? Today, I want to look at the book of Acts quickly as we get ready to close to talk about what are some of these things? What is it that the early church held on to with courage and commitment? Well, this is what it reads in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It says, They, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, to the early church, these values that I just read and these practices were musts. They were imperatives. They didn't just do them when they felt like it. They did it because it was good for them. And community in that way feels a lot like going to the gym or eating healthy. You see, when we pursue it just when we feel like it or when it feels good, then we will find ourselves far more lonely and in isolation than we would want. But when we understand that the practice of community is something that we do because it's good for us, then we can go after it with passion and commitment and fervor. It's not just a suggestion, it's an imperative, a command, a way in which God actually demonstrates his love to the world is through the family of God. There's a far deeper calling to Christian community than just getting together. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You see, the acceptance of Christ and the gift of the Spirit was more than just a mystical experience for the early church. It opened up to them a whole new understanding of God's plans and purposes. With joy, they became hungry to learn more, lean into all that it is that God had for them. In a distracted world with tons of messaging, the early church understood that the Word of God was their guiding truth. There was a courageous orthodoxy. There was a deep understanding of God's word. There was a hunger to lean into all that he had for them. They understood that their ultimate voice of authority was from Christ and Christ alone. For the early church, it was clear that the foundation for their lives was the teachings and commands of Christ. Knowing and trusting Jesus was not just an abstract practice for them. And fellowship was experienced even in the process of teaching. It was more than just getting together. It was partnership in the purposes of the church and sharing in its message and work. There was a strong unity in the early church. This is also that they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the idea of breaking of bread references to the Lord's Supper as well as table fellowship. The observance of the supper points to Christ's death but it also reminds us that Christ's blessings are constantly appropriated. That it's his strength that is a source of our strength as a church. And it was a continuous act, something that they did not give up on doing, lest they forget where their power came from. Lest they forget what it is that everything that their lives stood for was built on. It says in verse 43 that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
and that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, it says, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There was a sense of responsibility that the church took for one another's needs. Out of love and unity, they made sure that no one went without having a need met by their brother or sister in Christ. There was a contentment in the generosity, a simplicity of heart. There was no jealousy, no wrangling, no outperforming or outdoing each other to impress somebody. It was because of the influence of the Holy Spirit on their hearts that in the outpouring, they practiced generosity in the most simplest sense of meeting needs that they saw. It says that every day they continued to meet together and they broke bread and praised God and enjoyed the favor of all people. And that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, brought into the family of God. The family of God has always stood to be inclusive, to invite people into the journey. To say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but would you come and see what it is that I've tasted and seen? Would you come and be a part of what it is that God desires to do in your heart? So what now? As a church 2,000 years later to the early church that we just read about, what does it look like for us? And although context and culture and times have changed, the values, the principles, the practices have not. There's still an imperative for us today that we would be those devoted to the teaching of God's word, that we would be those constantly reminding each other that it was Christ's sacrifice that was sufficient for us. That we would never stop or get tired of charity and generosity. That it would be from a glad and sincere heart that it would say, hey, you don't have enough. Well, let me help you. Let me come there for you and love you and serve you where it is that you are. And you don't owe me anything. Because there's this recognition that as followers of Jesus, we can never outgive God. And so out of having experienced an abundance from him, we're able to give with glad and sincere hearts. So today, Avant Life, as we're invited as a family of God to pursue this meaningful community, the values still are true for us. What does it look like for us to devote ourselves to the teaching, understanding, and application of God's word? To have a courageous orthodoxy and to never be far from his truth to commit ourselves to fellowship with one another in mutual affection, abounding in holy love, to be constantly remembering the sacrifice of Christ, to not cease to pray, to practice generosity and self-sacrifice, to experience miracles and wonders and growth in the family of God. You see, the heart of Avant Life is still the heart of the early church show to the world that we have the solution, the antidote to the loneliness of the human soul. That in him we would experience all that we were designed and created for. So what would it look like, church, to begin to have imagination for what this looks like? How would it would affect the way that we love and serve and pursue relationship with one another? 
What does it look like with the backdrop of loneliness in our society to stand for so much more, to go after so much deeper, and to be transformed from the inside out as a result of pushing each other to deep friendship with Jesus? Well, in a real practical way, we want to challenge and invite our church to be a part of life groups. And I know that seems almost like a simple solution to everything that I just talked about. But it's a starting place to recognize that A, it's not just a suggestion, but it's an imperative for us to do this thing called life together, to do this thing in pursuit of Christ together. And so life groups, church, we're going to go after in very practical ways and different rhythms in each week, the values and practices of the early church. We're going to practice the art and discipline of meeting and gathering around the table. We're going to practice the value of going into God's word. We're going to practice the discipline and worship of praise and prayer. We're going to practice generosity and love and self-sacrifice. And so in many ways, today's call to action, the invitation is very simple. Sign up for a life group. And if you're watching live right now, there's going to be a tab and you can click the link and whatever campus you find yourself in, we're going to have life groups in Surrey and Squamish and in the North Shore. And if you're watching later on demand, you can find it on our website or on our social media, a link to that life group form. But I recognize that it's not just routines and rhythms that are going to get us into the kind of meaningful community. It requires each of us to recognize there's a part that we need to play in pursuing the call to be the family of God. And I also recognize that today, that there may be some listening or watching that have yet to experience this relationship with a loving creator that I've been talking about. I want you to know that wherever you find yourself and however you find yourself, that in this moment, that God would speak to you in a way that's inviting you into relationship with him. And even if as I talk, you begin to find yourself disqualifying and trying to come up with reasons for why God would not want you, realize that he made a way by sending his son to die on the cross, to pay for the sins that we committed to make a way to have loving communion with him. This is the extent to which Christ went to, to invite you into communion with him. And a community with one another first begins with a deep understanding of experiencing that communion with him first. So I want to give you an opportunity as a lead in prayer to invite Jesus into your hearts. I also want to have an opportunity and take a moment to pray for those of you guys who would find yourselves describing the season you're in as a lonely season. I recognize that the past 18, 19 months of the pandemic haven't been easy for anyone. And even for followers of Jesus, in many ways and in seasons, it's felt like a real lonely one, an isolated one. I'd love to invite God into this moment, into this space, into our hearts, into our minds to remind us that we're not alone. That Holy Spirit is our comforter, the one who comes alongside. That we'd experience love, peace, hope, and joy in Him who made a way. 
So before the worship team leads us in another song, I'd love first to pray for those who may be in this moment and wanting to invite Jesus into their hearts, to begin a relationship with him. Then I'd also love to pray for those who are experiencing a season of loneliness and isolation, that you would not only know of God's love and nearness in your mind, but experience that in your hearts. It says in scripture that God desires to pour out his love by spirit into our hearts. But if that's you, I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. First, to invite Jesus into your heart. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that when there was no way for us to create a way to you, that you made it possible for us to have relationship with you. The antidote to the loneliness of the human soul. So God, would you forgive us of our sins? Pour out your spirit into our hearts as we recognize you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for making a way. And Jesus, I pray for all my friends, the family of God that are out there watching and listening that would resonate with this idea of being in a season of loneliness and isolation. God, right now, would you draw near to every heart? God, would there be this deep experience of your love and your peace and your presence? Thank you that you're not a distant God, one that keeps us at arm's reach, but one that comes close. Holy Spirit, our comforter who comes alongside. So we invite you into our hearts, into our season, into our situation. And Jesus, as we continue to move forward as a church to pursue all that you have for us in godly community, would you give us courage and boldness and a deep conviction to pursue all that you have for us, to do the work of pursuing godly community as a family of God. hope you enjoyed this message we would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast other ways you can connect with avant life is through youtube instagram and facebook or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com